All right, kiddos, get your caffeine pills ready. Today we're discussing A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's me. everyone welcome to another episode of movie deja vu (laughs) the podcast that answers the question didn't i see this somewhere i'm your host the doubting mother shady and with me is the questionable psychiatrist john oh oh good (laughs) So I, I made both of us irresponsible adult figures, authority Thank figures. you. I thought at it was the, only fair. At least I'm not the first victim. Like I made myself, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also could have made you um, Jesse. <laughs> but no. <laughs> Let's just go with this instead. Oh, he has AIDS. And by AIDS, I mean Freddie and him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what? Did AIDS, I say that out loud? AIDS isn't funny, but Freddy is. <laughs> Freddy, oh my god, that movie. I'm so happy we talked about that movie separately. Yeah. Because I feel like I can sweep that one under the rug in this episode and be like, it's there. Right. Fine. No, we would have to go on this whole tangent that takes us like 20 minutes away from everything else at minimum. But so for those of you who are new listeners or you've skipped around in this series before, go back to one of our previous episodes. We discussed A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 along with the movie Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I believe it's episode, it is episode six. Episode six. Great. Go listen to that and uh, catch up with us. All right. Great. We're assuming you're caught up now, right? (laughs) (laughs) We had thoughts. We had thoughts. Um, (laughs) so as we said, this week we are discussing, and also next week, this is going to be another two-parter, we are discussing the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series, with the exception of Freddy versus Jason. We're saving that. We're saving saving that. that. We're saving that for another two weeks. Yeah, we have plans. (laughs) (laughs) We Um, thought things. It hurt, (laughs) but we thought things. (laughs) All right. Uh, do you want to just go down and break down the movies? Sure. All right. So we start in 1984 with A Nightmare on Elm Street, written and directed by Wes Craven. And in 1985, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's, Freddy's Revenge, stupidly written by David Chaskin and directed by the idiot Jack Shoulder. <laughs> Sorry. I, I had to because they were fucking morons and I'm they, they were stupid they I love this movie but they accidentally stumbled into a good movie in my opinion a good movie no David Jaskin is just a fucking idiot no he is no him. no it's all accidental everything they wanted to do would have been bad everything they accidentally did was good yes um and then in 1987 we get a nightmare on elm street three dream warriors with the screenplay by Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont, who cinephiles might recognize that name, and Chuck Russell, with the story by Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner, 
and directed by Chuck Russell. How do we know Frank Darabont? Frank, oh, uh, yeah, I should explain that. Frank Darabont uh, went on to become a very successful director in his own right. Um, his big hit uh, is Shawshank Redemption, but he also directed The Green Mile. Um, he did those movies? Yeah, yeah, he did a few <laughs> Stephen King adaptations, actually. Why did I think it was Steven Spielberg? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Frank. <laughs> Spielberg wanted it based off of Darabont's screenplay. Gotcha. Oh, wait, did he write and direct it? Yes, the, he, he gotcha. wrote the screenplay um, and Hollywood went crazy over it and a lot of directors wanted to jump on that, but he was like, no, I want this myself. Um, so good for him. Go team. Go team. And then in 1988, again, another good year wow. that we're totally biased about. Um, what are you talking about? I have no oh. reason to say that's a great year. It's a good year. <laughs> Came a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Ooh. Screenplay by, oh, fuck, why did I do this to myself? Brian Helgeland? I think it's Helgeland, yeah. Helgeland and Scott Pierce, which is a pen name for Jim Wheat and Ken Wheat, uh, apparently. Story by William Kotzwinkle <laughs> and Brian Hegeland, and it's directed by Rennie Harlan. Not to be confused with the character Rennie from Jason on a Boat. Yeah. This is somebody totally different. <laughs> this is, uh, he's Finnish? He's, he's a Finnish, Finnish man. <laughs> and he's beautiful. He's very beautiful. Um, and then he went on to have like a successful career after this. Yeah. Like, this was his first American movie, I want to say. And then a year later in 1989, we get A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, with a screenplay by Leslie Boehm, story by John, Sk John Skip. That's an easy name. I don't know why I tripped over it. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig Spector and Leslie Boehm, um, directed by Stephen Hopkins. And then in 1991, we have Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Which, spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> Screenplay by Michael DeLuca. Story by Rachel Talalay. Talalay? Talalay. And directed by Rachel Talalay. Rachel Talalay, welcome to the party. The yeah. only female name that we've said in all fucking movies in the past two, two episodes, three episodes. Mm, yep. <laughs> yup. <laughs> There's a lot I like about the horror genre. It is not kind to female storytellers. No. <laughs> Until very recently. Yes. And then but she was, if memory serves, oh, we'll get into it later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. her later. She she has a history with the franchise. Um, 1994 brings us Wes Craven's New Nightmare, written and directed <laughs> by Wes Craven. We will also talk a lot about this movie. I need seven hours and a change of underwear to talk about that movie. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and then we have in 2010, the reboot? Remake. This was a reboot. Remake. I'm going to call were it they trying to... a remake because they just straight up took the entire story of the first one. Um, called A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's it. <laughs> Screenplay by Wesley Strict and Eric 
Heiserer. That name should sound familiar to some people. Mm-hmm. Why? Go back to Final Destination episode. <laughs> Story by Wesley Strick and directed by Samuel Bayer. Bayer? Bayer. Bayer. Samuel Bayer. Like the heads. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking of. No, that's one of those names that could be pronounced like 12 different na- ways. I'm going with Bayer, like it the looks drug. Like, yeah, it looks like Bayer. <laughs> Jesus, right, I'm great. already out of it. I don't know what's up with me. We're out of it because we've been having nightmares from watching these movies and getting Freddy in our heads. <laughs> and Jason. And Jason. <laughs> But that's next, that's the, in two, in two more episodes, we'll talk about both of them. Uh, Jason the dog? Oh, Jason the dog. <laughs> we still we, haven't found Gordon, by the way. If we still anyone have not knows what found ha- Gordon. Anyone knows what happened to Gordon. I know we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street this, this episode or next episode, but we're very concerned for Gordon. Gordon, um, I just want to make sure he gets fed properly, you know? I don't know what his and diet is. And is alive. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's stop talking about Gordon for a second. <laughs> Shady and I have talked about this one off camera. Um, it's very different from Nightmare. Uh, uh, nope, we are doing Nightmare from Friday the 13th. I've been confusing the two of these ever since we've, <laughs> stated ever since we wanted to do these episodes <laughs> so forgive me if i say the wrong name because i will it happens but, um this is very different from friday the 13th where um the nightmares except for two build <laughs> off the mythology of freddy Krue- of fred krueger right yeah you call they- him fred because that's his name it is his name. They, in the first movie, they only refer to him as Freddy. A couple of times he calls himself Freddy in like a teasing way. Um, the only time he actually gets called Freddy instead of Fred is in the nursery rhyme. Every other time yes. people talk about him, they refer it's to him as Fred, Fred Krueger. Right. And then the second one, um, I have this as my, one of my differences, so let's jump right into it. <laughs> okay. In the second one... He's called Fred as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you picked up on that, Mm -hmm. but he's credited as Freddy. Right. And in the title, obviously, is Freddy's Revenge. Yes. And then from three onward to present, he's known as Freddy Krueger. Right. With the claw hands. Um, Did you manage to do, to find like a similar plot breakdown? Because I did. Um, like a bare bonesy plot breakdown like we usually like i usually like to do yeah no i didn't actually write one down but like i could give you a bare bones plot breakdown if you want if you have one ready to go i'll defer to you (laughs) i have one ready to go feel free to interject okay as always yeah um so there's a prologue murder um usually a nightmare slash a killing um although dream warriors does not begin with a nightmare no. Fun fact. Um, teens are stalked and killed by Freddy one by one in nightmarish ways. Yeah. Puns. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
parents slash adult figures uh, don't believe the teens because why would they? Uh, teens try to stay awake for as long as they can. And then final girl. Yes. Again, another term that I'm just using. Sometimes there are men, boys. And sometimes the there are more than one survivor. Yes. Um, battles Freddy and wins. And then again, there's... Um, no, and then sometimes there's a twist ending where um, Freddy's not revealed to be not dead. Right. But what's always interesting because of the nature of how he kills people a lot of times those fake out endings, if they don't confirm it in later movies, if somebody died or not, it could be taken as, no, this person is having like a legitimate nightmare. It's not actually Freddy. They just still have Freddy in their head, the idea of him. So they might just be having a regular nightmare that involves him. You know what I mean? Like they're not, he's not playing off their fears, you mean? Like well, not, not even like I mean like it's not actually Freddy as his own autonomous entity it is just that person having an organic nightmare and the shape it their nightmare takes is Freddy Krueger but it's not really Freddy Krueger does that make sense kind of it's their own imagination version of Freddy Krueger but he's not actually attacking them do you have an example well for example the end of Freddy's revenge the second one because we never return to those characters we never get confirmation what happens to them it ends with a nightmare that. scenario and it could be read as freddie came back and killed them and it could also be read as no jesse is still just having nightmares but freddie himself is not actually attacking him like friday the 13th nightmare on elm street has its own documentary called never sleep again mm-hmm. um which is that the full title or is there more to it? Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. <laughs> um, which gave a lot of backstory and was only like four hours long. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, it, I might be biased too because I am and have always been a much bigger fan of the Nightmare movies than of the Friday movies. So I already knew pretty much all of the information they gave in that documentary. I feel like I didn't learn as much as I did uh, watching Camp Crystal Lake Memories. I mean, I didn't realize that this is based off of a real thing. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's based off of, and I'm sorry, this is the name of it. I'm yes. not, I didn't name it this. It's this called is, the Asian, yeah. this is what, I guess, scientifically? I, I would say maybe journalistically. I don't know that there is a real scientific name for it yet. This is just what it was referred to in the media. And it's called Asian Death Syndrome. Um, it's a variation of sudden unexpected death syndrome, SUDS, and Brugada Syndrome. Fun fact, special features. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're, I like to weave them in and on these franchise episodes because, I mean, we could talk about similarities but like a lot of i have a lot of special features on (laughs) on franchises um so Russ craven read the read an article from the la times about a group of southeast asian refugees who died in the throes of horrific nightmares and apparently like in their autopsies they just died of fright there wasn't Mm. really anything um, there wasn't drugs in their system. There wasn't anything else. They just stopped. 
literally. Right. And I, I so. believe in one specific case, at least, um, it was a teenage boy who was, I, I think, around 16 or 17 years old who had for days been telling his parents that he was having nightmares and he didn't want to go to sleep. And then eventually he just died in his sleep. And so I think that that particular case was what really planted the seed for Wes Craven to it's, do this whole um, idea of kids trying to reach out to their parents and trying to explain why they're scared and their parents just not believing them. It's so upsetting that mm -hmm. this had to happen, but like, um, it's, it's so upsetting that that happened, but it's, I mean, kind of great that we got this, this out of it. I, I'm, I'm an evil human being for even saying that. I, and I'm well I, aware of that. I would phrase it as, given that this did happen, and there's no way of changing that the, this tragic event happened, at least something was able to come out of it. Do you know if it's still happening? I, I think things like this still happen, but this was a phenomenon because it was happening to a specific community at a specific time. And as far as I know, it has not been an issue, like it hasn't been clustered like that since then. But SUDS is probably still a thing, the yes. sudden unexpected death syndrome. Okay. Yeah, SUDS is still definitely a thing. And then there is also, you know, even going beyond that particular case that inspired these movies, there's also so many unexplained things still that we don't quite understand about how dreams work and how our subconscious works and how it affects our physical body. But for just as a minor example, did you ever have a falling dream where you wake up and you feel like you've fallen? Oh yeah, and I've totally had the one where um, I'm walking and like I miss a step and my ankle turns out and I wake up and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, because what happens in your dreams sometimes your subconscious can convince the rest of you that something is real enough that the rest of your body reacts to something that's not physically happening to it. So when you convince yourself that you're falling, your muscles tense up because that's what happens when you do fall. There are there have been cases of people having nightmares where something grabs them around the ankle or around the wrist or something. And they became so convinced of it that they, when they woke up, they started bruising in those areas. Even though nothing had touched it, their physical body was reacting as if they were being touched there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So like dreams are the subconscious Fucked of the up. human mind is really terrifying and there's very little that we know about it and so it, it, these movies are really fascinating mm -hmm. because they play off of that because everyone dreams whether yeah. or not you remember them is another question but everyone dreams yeah and so um i think and there oh go ahead i was gonna say i know um Thanks to watching Never Sleep Again, um, <laughs> Rennie Harlan in The Dream Master mentioned that he they he had a write some of it or he had a um, put a lot of input into it right. because of uh, was that the writer's strike? Yes, that was Something during was the writer's on. strike. So they had to write a lot of that movie as they were on filming the fly. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i'm not gonna lie you can't tell it no. looks cohesive so 
Kudos to him. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. My, I have some criticisms for that movie, but it's also, to me, one of the better ones because yes. I think the story is really strong and I think the characterization is really strong. And that was really surprising to learn that they did it on the fly like that. But I feel like the other movies, at least, mm-hmm. except for two, <laughs> um, I don't know if they played off of everyone who's involved in the creating of this, their nightmares, mm-hmm. uh, but it seemed, I'm going to use this word loosely, legitimate. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like, like, well, you know, turning into a cockroach, that probably happens. Maybe not necessarily being squashed in a hotel room, which by the way, watching that now still gave me the creeps. Oh, that is one of my favorite scenes and also one of the ones that gave me nightmares as a kid. Uh, I am I am a I am a 33-year-old man and <laughs> that scene creeped me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And I I watched that movie a couple of times. That, because of this and I was just like "Ah, I don't want to watch that scene yeah well building off of that thought but also what we were talking about earlier with what they pulled as inspiration for this so much of it ties back into primal fears but also like Freddy himself feels primordial he feels even though he does have a backstory and everything he feels like he is older than time itself I mean, and that's great when they do that in the uh, Freddy's Dead, uh-huh. the whole um, dream they, demons they, or whatever they're called. They tried it. I will give them credit for trying it. <laughs> I mean, they. Uh, but it I only took twenty-seven to... pages of notes on this franchise, so <laughs> I'm still gonna turn them. Yeah. What are they called? What are they called? The Did sperm? I pass it? The sperm. The little sperm things. Yeah. <laughs> But it also ties into New Nightmare because that one is not actually Freddy Krueger. That is a separate entity that is given power by the idea of Freddy Krueger. And that and, is, again, a demonic force that is like, this is older than humanity. This I need the type of stuff that the cavemen, the earliest men on Earth, had fears about. I need 27 hours and a cigarette, <laughs> maybe two to talk about that movie because oh my fucking god it is a masterpiece it it is a masterpiece and I... i'm so i want to give a shout out to my friend neil i don't know if he's actually listening to this he introduced me to that movie before way before this podcast was even conceived yeah um and i lost my fucking mind <laughs> and i and yeah. i did again watching it because the first time you the first time you watch it, you don't expect it to be as meta as it was. Yeah, I, the then, first time I watched it was because I was reading an essay about Scream, which had referenced uh, New Nightmare and said that New Nightmare was really sort of laid a lot of the groundwork for Scream to be as good, as in-depth as it was as far as all the meta miss. portions of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the references and things like that. And so that made me interested in seeing New Nightmare. But I mean, I saw it long enough ago that I rented it from Blockbuster. <laughs> it, was, it was a Blockbuster thing for me. 
It was a blockbuster thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was still, I must have been like 17 when I first saw it. And I could not believe that I'd never seen it before because I was terrified by these movies as a kid, but I still really liked them when I was a kid. Which is the um, whole point of the horror movies. Right. You're supposed to be enthralled by how scared you are. So, success. Um, and Tracy Middendorf, who, fun fact, for those of you who may or may not know her, she later went on to be in the Scream TV series. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she was. Her, Go ahead. Her death sequence was the one that, like, made me lose my shit every time I watched that movie mm. because it's Tina from the first movie. Right. You get to see the Freddy monster. Right. I mean, I'll go more into this when we talk about the dreaded remake, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it is one of the few times that I have loved that you take one of the most iconic scenes from your franchise and then redo it, but you do something just different enough that you still make it its own separate thing and it's so good it's such a great great moment and it really does build on the on tina's death scene so well plus you also got now you have a child who's witnessing her death a child who loves her she's his babysitter and that like makes it it adds like this extra tragedy to it it's great because her death was so iconic Yes. All right. Just, I need to get this off my chest. That is one of the things that I will always hate general audiences for is the fact that New Nightmare made so little money. I know. It's such a genius movie and it was not, it got good reviews, but it got terrible box office. And I will always just be mad at general moviegoers for, for that because stupid stuff gets to make money, but that movie doesn't get to make money. That movie was beautiful. Yeah. Like, I know it couldn't have happened without the success of Nightmare on Elm Street, but like, right, it it's is just so beautiful. Yeah, it builds on Nightmare on Elm Street, but it does it in such a unique way and in such an incredible way. And, um, you know, I think Heather Langenkamp is so, she's great as Nancy. She's fantastic as the fictional version of herself. Um, but she's so good in it. And I love seeing like Robert Englund be able to do the Freddy thing, but also just be like, hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood actor, Robert Englund. What are you talking about? Freddy Krueger played Freddy Krueger. <laughs> um, and uh, go ahead. Do you want to talk more about the other movies? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Maybe we should reel it back. Let's talk about um, one of the, my favorite topics that we like to, well, not favorite topics, but like a thing that I come across in all horror movies, and that's The Body Count by Freddy. Hooray! <laughs> um, these movies they're more about quality than quantity. Mm -hmm. So you've got four people die in the first one. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still confused about the second one. Let's but skip over it. <laughs> apparently, apparently IMDb says 10 people died in that movie. 
I guess if you count the people who are most likely dead from the pool scene. And the buses and, and the stuff buses. like that. The buses. Yeah. Um, in Dream Warriors, Wake Up Dream Warriors, <laughs> uh, you have, I really just want to be in an 80s hairband. What? Um, you have six people. Uh, again, you have six people in Dream Master. And in The Dream Child, you only have three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in The Freddy's Dead, um, you have, again, three victims. And they're all male. They are all male. Also, it is still implied that a form of genocide has occurred because of Freddy. We just don't actually see it. Yeah. We'll, we'll and you, we see Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold. Yeah, yeah, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, our, our, our favorite movie, New Nightmare, has four, and then the remake has three. So these numbers, three? though, is it three? It's, yeah. The mom at the end. There's Kellen Lutz, there's Katie Cassidy, oh, right. there's that other kid, and then there's the mom at the end. Although, I, it, because it's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it's the very, very end, and nothing happens after that, we don't know if that's actually a dream sequence or not. So I'm going to say four, because I think I also counted Heather's uh, mom in the first one. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah, the, if, the you, if you got to four, you would have to. Um, and... Thanks to Never Sleep Again, they, they like to take time to talk about how tensions were high on set <laughs> in, every single, in every single fucking movie. Except for, they didn't really mention anything about the last three. Because, yeah. you know, I think-, the, I think New Nightmare, everyone's just like, we're doing this. It's a form of nostalgia. We're just going to have fucking fun. Yeah. And yes, I'm going to torture you and base it off of your real life, kind of. But whatever. <laughs> um, I do want to just apologize in case you can hear it. There is rain outside my window, uh, which That's is fine. ironic because we previously talked about a franchise where rain happens a lot. And now we're talking about a franchise where that's not really a, a major element. We go to a boiler room. So I found these interesting on IMDb. How much screen time do you think Freddy has in the first movie? Oh, in the first movie. Are we talking about, like, does this I, include, for example, when he, his mouth is the phone? I don't think so. Okay, so actually Robert Freddy, yes. as Freddy. Ooh, probably, I would think... Less than 10 minutes, for sure. You are correct. It's only seven minutes, according to IMDb. Yeah. I, I didn't to say figure five. this out. I didn't do this one. Yeah. But then in the sequel, you know, Freddy's Revenge, um, how much time do you think he's on screen? Oh, much more. Um, I'm going to say closer to 15 minutes. You are correct. It's 13 minutes. Woo! And then, I'm, getting, you know, I'm getting better at this. Um, I didn't find any of the any of that trivia for the rest of them because okay. I feel like he's there more than yes. usual. Yeah. But it's interesting that Robert England, England, am I saying that right? I think it's it, England. England, it's like England, the like the country, but it's spelled Englund with a yes. U. 
Sorry, Robert England and your uh, England and your fans. Um, yes. <laughs> don't at us or at us and tell us nicely that we're that we're wrong. Um, <laughs> it, but, we will accept corrections. We will not accept abuse. <laughs> but from four through uh, New Nightmare, Robert England has top billing for yeah. all those movies, which is great because he's really the only sane person in all of them. Mm. Yeah, the only Nancy shows up twice, and then Heather Langenkamp as herself, the actress who played Nancy. Yes. So she shows up the most after Robert England, um, and, and then, then Alice. yeah, um, Lisa Wilcox, who plays Alice in parts four and five, shows up twice, and she's the lead in both of those, so she gets plenty of screen time. But otherwise, um, Kincaid and Joey? Kincaid, Joey, and Kristen. Kincaid, Joey, and Kristen show up in parts three and four, but Kincaid and Joey are secondary heroes. Kristen is the lead in part three, but in part four, she's played by a different actress instead of Patricia Arquette, which, welcome back to the pod, Patricia Arquette. Welcome back, Patricia Arquette, (laughs) and welcome for the first time Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Wait, who else? Oh, Brecken Meyer. This is his third movie that we've discussed on the podcast. Oh Brecken Meyer is. was in Freddy's Dead, and he was also in Josie and the Pussycats and Clueless. Oh my God. <laughs> so. so many movies. We've done so many movies. I'm surprised you remembered that. <laughs> I just remember that as I was saying, welcome back to the pod, Patricia Arquette of boyhood fame. <laughs> 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 Um, and then just in the interest of getting this out there because other famous people showed up in these movies, Johnny Depp, of course, his very first acting role, his very first acting credit is the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And then Lawrence Fishburne. Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne. Right. Larry Fishburne. Uh, and I think this was also Patricia Arquette's first movie yes i believe it is too let me double check that i think she had other acting credits but it was like commercials and maybe like tv tv episodes here and there but not like a full a full lead in a movie right now if you Um, go on to his imdb page though this is johnny depp's very first credit um and fun fact that i'm sure we'll expand on later he was never intended to be an actor. Uh, he went out to Hollywood because he wanted to be a musician. So it's kind of an accident that he fell into acting instead. Oh boy. Yes, this is Patricia Arquette's first credit on IMDb, just to confirm that. But she likely had commercials and things. I believe she was already a SAG member by the time she got cast. So Thank you for showing me your phone, even though, you know, this is an audio media. <laughs> Shady literally pointed to her phone to say this, if you go on and if you look and she's pointing and things like that. And I'm like, that's not helpful for our listeners. But I narrated that it was on her IMDb. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you want to talk about Robert Shea for a second? Let's talk about Bob Shea. Bob Shea. I have mixed feelings on this man, but good for him. He's a producer. 
the producer, I want to say, of this movie. Because mm-hmm. um, this was, New Line was, this is New Line? New Line started it, right? Yes. New Line was created basically to just to create this movie or to make this movie because they could not find a studio that was willing to produce it. So they, it's really interesting. Seriously, guys, I'm going to reference this probably 5,000 more times, but go watch the documentary because the people at New Line just also seemed like they were making things up as they went along. (laughs) They sure were. I, it like, is, uh, like, the nickname for New Line Cinema was literally the house that Freddie built because this was, like, if, if Nightmare failed, they were all going into debt. But it's interesting that a lot of the writers and directors of all the movies, for the most part, mm-hmm. of the movies worked at New Line. Mm-hmm. Like, like, remember when we talked about Rachel Talalay not that long ago? Yeah. <laughs> Call she back. was... It, call back from like 30 (laughs) minutes ago um she worked at new line uh and she worked on i want to say all of them up until the one like in some way she performed she worked on all of them i believe so i'm gonna go to her wikipedia page just to make sure but i believe she has some credit on all of them up to at least freddie's dead but bob shea apparently wanted to also act in them and he's in five of the eight movies. In the first one, he is not in it, in it, but his voice is. <laughs> he's the newsreader slash KRGR radio announcer. Get it? <laughs> Kruger. Huh? In... Um, in Freddy's Revenge, he is the bartender in the Gay Leather Bar. <laughs> in the Dream Master, he's the lecturer of um, discussing dreams. Uh, I don't remember when that is. Oh, that's when um, Alice's brother dies, I think. I think that's the scene. Is it not when Sheila dies? Sheila dies during a test. Okay, sure. <laughs> the brother, and then you have in the final nightmare, he is uh, a ticket seller, and then he plays himself, as does everyone else in New Nightmare. I still counted it. That counts. That um, counts. Also, fun fact. Um, Lynn Shay, Bob Shay's sister, plays the teacher in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. That is her first acting credit. And if you watch lots of horror movies, you will know her from Insidious. Insidious. And then she came back in the new nightmare to play a nurse. Yep. Yep. So she is, you know, she has something of a cult status herself, um, has really made an impression on the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then you want to talk about Final Girls for a second? Oh my god, I would, would love to talk about Final Girls for like 10 minutes. Great. Um, <laughs> obviously, we have the pivotal Final Girl in the first movie, which is Nancy. Nancy doesn't give up. No. She Nan- always fights. Yeah. And, and, and she is 
regularly listed amongst the greatest final girls of all time. I have no argument against that. She is fantastic. She's such an interesting, resourceful character. And she really, because Freddie is such a unique type of slasher, she really has to become innovative and uh, really just try to outsmart him in any way she possibly can. And it's so interesting to see her throughout two movies, really, if you include uh, Dream Warriors. She's like three, because, you know, when she plays herself and then. Well, yeah, but that's Heather Langan. But then she morphs into Nancy. That's true. All right, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> but they play Heather Langenkamp as Nancy. Right. Um, that, oh, again, we need like 75 hours, three bottles of lube, and <laughs> 20 packs of cigarettes to talk about that movie. I don't smoke. I mean, you will after we talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll die like Sheila did. <laughs> oh, I'm not, no. I'm not allowed to smoke. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, but yeah, Nancy was, is. And, and what, I'm going to say she's the best out of all of them. Yes. Um, I, what's also interesting about her, at least at that time for slasher flicks, is that, again, Final Girl usually consisted a lot of physically running away from the killer and then trying to figure out a way to overpower them. And hers was more about trying to outwit Freddy Krueger. But she also knows of his existence and realizes the threat that he poses very early on in the movie. And she spends a good bulk of the first movie and all of her screen time in the third one, um, and also in New Nightmare, if we're counting that, actively trying to protect other people not just herself and that's very unique for final girls they at that point anyway they usually weren't even aware of the killer until it was too late to try to protect other people now i forget our discussion on friday's revenge Uh which one who did we fall on as the final girl is it jesse i'm gonna say i'm gonna say catherine the the, the one that saved Jesse through the power of heterosexuality? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm thinking Freddy's Dead, not Freddy's Revenge. Um, uh, Freddy's Revenge. I was like, wait a second. That name doesn't sound right. No, Freddy's Revenge. Um, we kind of fell on both of them a little bit because for the movie, for most of the movie, we follow Jesse. But then right. it's actually Kim Myers who defeats him through the power of, I'm going to call it. <laughs> I'm gonna call it haggatry. Oh, she, she defeat she defeats Freddie by accepting Jesse for being gay and saying that's fine because we can still be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Kim Myers and Mark Patton in real life, apparently. Apparently they have a very nice uh, relationship with each other. Um, and then in three we have Kristen, who we've talked about. Yes. Four. Four introduces us. Well, Kristen is seemingly the protagonist again. Right. And, and then they're then just it, like, nope, we're going to pull the rug off of you, out, yeah. out from underneath you. 
Uh, and they do, in the documentary, they directly referenced Psycho, that that was a very psycho move to do, um, where they kill her off partway and then turn Alice into the final girl instead. Ah, uh, yes. Another psycho reference. I'm so happy. <laughs> and again, she's the final girl in five, mm-hmm. where but- she grew as a character over the course of, like, the year that it took for them to do four and five. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they did that, that they didn't revert her back to the meek and mild. Right, right. They continued the arc that she was already on. They didn't restart it. Um, and then I, you have, I, I said Maggie for Freddy's Dead. Well, Maggie and Catherine are the same person. She, she was born Catherine Kruger and then changed gotcha. her name to Maggie. So and yeah, Maggie's uh, probably a better way to refer to her because that is what she's known as for most of the movie. And then as we've said multiple times, Heather Langenkamp in Nightmare, New Nightmare and then mm-hmm. a different Nancy. Uh, oh <laughs> Janie does not like the remake. <laughs> I've got words Janie. for the, I'm going to try to be positive about certain aspects of the remake when we get to it later. What I can't do you want to just rip that bandaid off right now? I'm, I'll just talk about Rooney Mara in this movie, who, by the way, just as a preemptive, you know, statement, Rooney Mara is a fantastic actress. I love most of her work. The one thing I do not love her for is her performance as Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. My God, she's so bad in this movie, and it makes no sense to me because she's a really good actress. <laughs> She's so bad. I think you said that you get the impression from something that she did not enjoy making the movie, correct? Yeah, I think it was um, an, an IMDb uh, trivia thing mm-hmm. um, that she, for whatever reason, did not like filming this movie, but yeah, I haven't really found anything to solidify that. Okay, well, I, or, I would believe it, though. I would absolutely believe that she got sick of this movie right away and didn't want to make it anymore because she does not emote. They, like, it's just weird to me because especially Katie Cassidy plays Chris, who is the Tina character, and I don't necessarily think that Katie Cassidy is a better actress than Rooney Mara. But in that movie, she is a much better actress than Rooney Mara. And it didn't make sense to me that that was the one we were supposed to watch die halfway through. And then that was Rooney Mara was the one we were supposed to be rooting for the whole time. It made no sense to me. I felt so much more empathy for Chris than I ever did for a second for Nancy. Oof. Oof, McGoof. She ripped, she ripped that Band-Aid off and said, fuck you, I'm going to set you on fire like the parents did to Freddy. <laughs> you know, and also, I don't think but the it, writing is up to snuff either all around in that movie, but especially with the Nancy character, I think they made her just a little less resourceful. They tried to lean into more like, oh, she's a tortured artist type of thing. And like, that doesn't have anything to do with the plot itself. So it doesn't serve a greater purpose. And she just doesn't come off as as much of a survivalist as Nancy Thompson, as played by Heather Langenkamp. And it's just a big letdown. But it's interesting that they played more into what the original script called for of the original movie. Yes. 
Um, I, well, yeah, like I said, I'm going to try to, I, there are things I can list as positives for the remake. And I think a lot of it is stuff in concept, I think is really great. And I do think, you know, it's great that they were, they made this movie at a time where they could be more, they could be more forward about the fact that Freddy Krueger did not just kill children when he was alive. He molested them. Yes. Yeah. And, and they couldn't something... do that in 1984. Mm -hmm. it, it's so hinted it... at, but they could never actually make it text. Solidified. Yeah. Right. I mean, okay. they kind of do, when they rewrite his history throughout the sequels, they kind of do make a mention. They, in they like the final nightmare, like, yeah, they in the final nightmare, they allude to it, but they yeah. don't really go out and right say, oh, hey. Right. It, it still exists in the subtext. It's never full text. Can I, I just want to give a fun fact about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, which so, one? The remake? The remake. Okay. Um, so they hired the same woman who knitted the sweater for the original movie to knit Freddie's sweater. I Judy love Graham. That. She knitted Freddie's, yeah, she knitted Freddie's sweater in the original. Which, can I, I want to talk about Freddie's sweater for a hot second. Oh my god, um, yes. So, the first movie is the only one where his sweater is different than the rest of the, I mean, kind of different in New Nightmare, but it's still this, I think it's different colors more so. The design of it is totally different in the original because his sleeves are solid red. And mm. then from the second movie onward, it's stripes on the sleeves. Yeah. It's very fascinating because um, your brain knows it as all stripes. And even when you think, even when I think about the first movie, I still have scenes of him. Granted, I also thought he was in it more than uh, seven minutes. <laughs> um, I have the scenes that I have of him, I picture it with the striped. But then watching it with the solid color, it's very jarring to my brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, continuing off of the sweater, I also think it's interesting. I, I've thought this was interesting forever, but they do actually mention it in the documentary too, that they specifically, Wes Craven specifically chose the red and green combo, color combo, because that is the harshest color combination on the human eye. Um, but it's it's interesting that they subdued it. It's not like a bright red and a bright green because I think if they did a if they did that he wouldn't look creepy. But b yeah. um, they did it in a way that it's not terrible to the human eye. Right. It looks it's, almost brown if I'm going to be totally honest in the does, in some of them. Yeah, it depending on the lighting it looks really brown. I think well I did read that uh Wes Craven originally wrote it as a red and yellow sweater and then he read that article about how red and green is the harshest contrast. And I'm not I don't work in the field of optics, but if I have it correct, I believe that it's because red Bright red is the harshest color that the human eye can perceive, mm -hmm. and green is the most stark contrast with that. Passive. So, yeah. Well, because even uh, in nature, mm -hmm. red usually means danger, and mm -hmm. green is green is like foliage and calm. Right. 
Right. So that's why, um, in even uh, before, during like caveman times, if you mm -hmm. if we saw red, we knew that it was bad. Right. But it's also interesting because from a literary perspective, not necessarily together, but oftentimes together, that's why red and green are the Christmas colors. Um, but red represents life and green also represents life because red is blood. And if you have blood flowing through you, you're alive. Green is plant life and plants allow us to live. Um, so it's also... <laughs> so from like that sort of classic literary perspective it's also interesting that there's so much because uh, the red and green appears everywhere it's not just in freddie's sweater it's two colors that typically represent life and in this case it represents death Ooh. well shady i think we're coming close to time yeah we probably um are. let's put a pin on this conversation because we're having fun. I'm having fun just talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm having <laughs> so much fun right now. Because we're getting into depth about things. Um, apparently, I played up that uh, psychiatrist role that you gave me. <laughs> um, we're, we're turning experts into things that we have no right to be experts in. Right. <laughs> well, I know about optics, turdy <laughs> I know about suds. Du, 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 du. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we come back next week? I agree. Should we should we sign off real quick for people if they want to contact oh, yeah. us between yeah, episodes? If we, got, if we got anything wrong or if I misstepped, which I did, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, and I, I greatly apologize. Um, you can tweet me at movies John. That is John with no H. You can tweet me for all of the same concerns. Complain to John. Complain about John to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> At Cookie O'Shady. Uh, our email is moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J. Did I say it right? Yes, okay. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> God, you think by now I know how to goddamn spell the our podcast yeah all right so email is m-o-v-i-e-d-e-j-a-v-u-p-o-d at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram at movie deja vu pod and on twitter we're at movie deja vu no pod because freddie killed it um, freddie killed it he, he slashed it out of the name he got into the dream and he changed he warped reality and so come back next week for part Boo of us. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Part two. Part two. Movie Deja Vu's Revenge. Ooh. <laughs> uh, for part two of our discussion on A Nightmare in Elm Street. Booyah. Let's do it. Bye. 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 Do you ever do?